0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful to be with you on this All Saints Day. It's wonderful also to be back and uh, see my old friend, your dean, who was part of our congregation. We sponsored him for ordination, and as I said to the early congregation, I knew him when he was only six foot two. He's a superb leader and priest, but don't tell him that; he might get a swelled head. But anyway, it's a great day to share this um, wonderful celebration of the life of the church together, all of us. I've been a New York Yankees fan for a long time, as for as long as I can remember. I know you'll forgive me that. But a few weeks ago, when there was some opportunity of the Yankees perhaps being uh, a New York or excuse me, American League pennant winner, I watched the uh, entire Yankees game with someone. can't even remember who. I was just watching the Yankees. Including the one-and-a-half-hour rain delay I watched. And I was so drawn into it, I couldn't even tell you what I had for dinner that night. But during the rain delay, the broadcasters looking for something to talk about were filling the time with telling some of the stories about some of the players for the Yankees and where home was for them. One thing led to another, and I found myself remembering watching baseball games with my dad when I was eight or nine years old, and he was trying very hard to explain to me what the game was about. That was sort of a thought about home for me. When you're asked, if somebody asks you where home is for you, what do you say? Is it the address you live at now, or is it a place in the past, or is it several places? Home, I suspect, is where you are most yourself, where you can simply be, where there are people, sometimes family, sometimes friends, who take you as you are. It's the place which brings out the real you, that makes you feel most alive. Wherever in the country I have lived, New York City was always home for me, even with all this traffic and noise and eccentricities. Some of us, with roofs over our head, are homeless in that sense. We never feel quite at ease anywhere. We're restless and anxious. Home is yet to be found. And others of us, with very adequate resources and everything we could wait could possibly want, find ourselves homesick, but we're not sure for what or for where. Sometimes it's for a time that cannot be recaptured, an opportunity missed, or an inability to see what is really around us. The wonderful writer, Frederick Beekner wrote an essay called Longing for Home, which I read a while ago, and it reflects that home summons up rich and complex feelings in all of us, and is probably at the heart of our desire for intimacy with another, and our love of beauty in art or nature. There's a real contrast with this desire for home and the biblical stories. The Bible speaks of the people of God as sojourners or pilgrims or wanderers, as people who are not to be at home anywhere in the world. Jesus makes short shrift out of anyone who is possessed by possessions or plans or property and sees it all as an encumbrance that keeps us from being disciples. It's kind of a hard word to listen to. And then, of course, in the Old Testament, one of the defining stories is the story of God calling Abram and Sarah to leave the security of their tribe and tradition and to move out, never telling them where they were going. Frederick Buechner puts it simply this way: Home is where Christ is, where His kingdom is alive and life-giving. Home, he says, is not a place but a person. The home that we long for and get glimpses of in places we have lived or in people we have known is fulfilled completely and wholly in a person, in Jesus Christ. We are most ourselves when we know his love. We are most alive when we live his kingdom life. Jesus put it this way in one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Or I might put it this way, happy and content are those who have put aside any home but Christ, for there is the fullest life. This is not being caught up with a religious figure. It's being in a relationship with a living God in such a way that our deepest selves are filled with Christ's deepest self, where our true security is in him. Then his love becomes ours. And his life becomes ours too. When we have our contentment in him, we are ready to be sojourners and pilgrims, ready to get up and go when God says, go, or says, onward, and doesn't always tell us where we're going to be going. When Christ is our home, we're able to be in service to his kingdom. I think that's why celebrating All Saints Day is so important every year. It reminds us of people just like us who have discovered home and then been able to do all sorts of things for Christ. They're a great encouragement to us. I love your stained glass windows here. Sometimes there's some faces in them, sometimes not. Many church windows have got faces in them, and I always think they're like kind of cheerleaders. And they say, if we can do it, you sure can. Now, if you hear them saying that, don't tell anybody. <laughs> the book of Hebrews put it this way. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. But it also reminds us that when we are at home in Christ, we have a great and large family who are family not just because we might be related by blood, but because the warmth of home draws together the saints on earth. And the saints in heaven. We're most truly united with those we love who have died when we realize that in Christ the veil between heaven and earth is very, very thin. And it's very transparent. And that this table that we gather around today is one which stretches horizontally through the entire world and vertically up into heaven. When we're at home in Christ, we're at home with those we love whom we have loved and who have loved him before and with those around the world who we do not even know. Several years ago I had a group of parishioners we were visiting biblical sites in Turkey and we went to Antioch. You might remember Antioch was the first place in the New Testament where followers of Jesus were called Christians and it was a very solidly Christian city. Today there are no Christians there. And that particular day was a Sunday, and so we went to a cave where some of those early Christians celebrated the Eucharist, just as we do. And I stood behind a stone altar, and beside me were two doorways. And I asked our guide, I said, what are the doorways here for? And they said, well, that's a place for everybody to escape if they were being attacked. I thought, well, that puts a little wrinkle into worship. (laughs) But we began the service, just like the service today. And about halfway through, I noticed two people coming and standing in the back. And I was a little cautious, a little leery about what was going on. Watched them a little bit and thought, okay, we're just going to carry on. As we finished the service and I did the blessing, I watched the two of them sort of turn sideways, put their heads down. And when I made the sign of the cross, they very quietly made the sign of the cross on their chests. I thought to myself, these were kind of secret Christians or people who didn't get to worship very often, and they would show up, apparently, fairly regularly at this place, hoping they would be gathered with other Christians from around the world. We didn't know them. They left before we left. They didn't know us, but we were home together in that place around that altar. On this beautiful All Saints Day, when we remember loved ones who are now departed and give thanks for their lives, I wanna challenge myself and maybe you as well to remember where home really is and to deepen our relationship with Christ and with those faithful loved ones who have gone before us. And maybe also just to reach out a hand to so many others who are homeless, whether homeless because they don't know that home yet or homeless because they really have no home And give them a place to call home, this wonderful cathedral. So have a wonderful All Saints Day, and welcome home.